You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. To the Ron and Don Show. And yes, my dad's pretty annoying. All right, cool. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 310 now of the Ron and Don Show, brought to you by our good friends. Les Schwab. Hey, what is happening? What? Oh, I forgot my catchphrase. You threw me off. What, what is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, there you go. That's my catchphrase. I pointed at you and everything. I know. The light was blinking at you. There's, we have a hand just, in I here. I forgot my catchphrase. Yeah. Anyway, off my hey, game a anyway. little bit. Hey, coming up on episode 310, we're pretty excited about this, and I'm sure that you are too. Uh, I think this is kind of interesting. We uh, have to ask ourselves, uh, when it comes to being a morning person, is a morning person something that you just are? Or is morning, well, a morning person, is that something that you can become and actually not only become a morning person, but love it? And you're talking to two radio guys that were forced to become morning people as we did morning drive for 10 years. So uh, we want to make sure that we talk about that. Also, another COVID update. And before we get to that, let's get to this. Uh, Speaking of radio, when Ron and I started on KJRAM back in 1995, here in the city of Seattle, it's when T-Man was still in the air over on Cube, and he was on also, and it would end up on KJR-FM with Charlie, Ty, and Mary, and then we were on KJR-AM, which was the sports station. Supersonics. But, but really, at one point, was the biggest signal right? And all the land. In fact, uh, if you grew up here before there was the FM signal, you probably listened to Pat O'Day on KJR. KJR Seattle. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, somebody told me one time, they said, hey, the way that you can break into radio, do weekends, volunteer for weekends, volunteer to go out and and because you have a lot of advertisers that want to pay money on weekends. But they're going to want you to come out and do the RV show, or they're going to want you to come out their gas station, or they're going to want you to come out. The Supersonics will want you to come out and do something with the Goof Troop, whatever it is. And a lot of the guys that are working Monday through Friday, they don't want to do it because they've been working Monday through Friday, and they're done, and they want the weekend off. So make sure you do some of that, and then also make sure that you show up on the holidays when guys want to go on vacation, whatever. And that's how we ended up doing our first morning show was actually – volunteering at KJR AM at Christmas and New Year's, and we'll say, hey, we'll go fill in for the hosts that aren't going to be here. Place I would always stop is a place called Uptown Espresso. It's right down by the Space Needle. It's right down by where we used to broadcast from, and I'd pull up in there. I would go into Uptown Espresso. If you've never been there, it's it's very old Seattle. Very old Seattle. Right. But you go in there, get a great cup of coffee and you could go to a place like an uptown espresso before there even was a Starbucks and Seattle's best coffee and all these other things that we hear about. Well, people loved it so much. Now there's six different locations around Seattle. And I read the other day that the first location on Lower Queen Anne, that they were shutting their doors and they asked them, they said, why are you shutting doors? Is it because of the pandemic? They said, no, it's because the county came down. They bought this hotel, uh, and the hotel is right down on Lower Queen Anne, right down by the Space Needle. 
And this is a place where we're going to house homeless people that have been living in, in, in tent encampments and in other shelters. This is, this is how we're going to fix this thing, right? We're going to buy a hotel and we're going to put people in there. Well, what they're finding now is everything that people, stuff they're doing in parks and in these RVs, They've now taken that indoors into this hotel, and they're doing all the same stuff. So Uptown just doesn't want to be next to it. So they can't be next to it. They just said we're we're we we're, we are watching people die in, in front of our doorways. We're watching people inject themselves. Uh, we are watching people get in fights. We're watching people beat each other. We are watching things happen in this neighborhood. That's a spillover. From this hotel that King County purchased, saying, "Hey, this is how we're going to fix the homeless crisis." Now you have Uptown Espresso saying, "Our employees don't want to come to work. They don't feel safe coming to work, and as a result of that, we are going to have to shut our doors." It breaks our heart to do it, but we're being forced to do it because of what's happening in the neighborhood right now. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, this goes back to the ninety-nine problems and homelessness is one. Of, of what is the proper sequence to handle this problem? And, and there's really a couple schools of thought on this. So the first school of thought, which I think is, is the oldest one, is we will help you if you have demonstrated that you are starting to help yourself. You can have lodging if you are sober. That's a, the prime example. If you're sober and, and don't have a dog or a partner, Come here and you can sleep. And we always heard those stories of, oh, this shelter has beds to spare. If you follow their rules, and normally that rule meant no alcohol, no drugs, no pet, no partner. And so if you happen to fit in that box, you could have a bed there. And that bed typically stays, stay, like that bed then stays open because people. Right, people don't want to comply to those rules. So that's, that's the old school way of going, we'll help you if you meet us halfway. And halfway meant you're sober and that you were demonstrating some things to us that, that, you know, basically you jumped through some hoops, and if you jumped through enough hoops or you jumped high enough, we would help you. So that's school number one. Then this thing evolved. It's like, no, we can't do It's not working. And so what we need to do is meet people where they're at, and the number one priority is to just get someone housed. Until you get someone shelter, you can't fix any of the other problems. You can't fix a, a drug addiction if they're not housed. You can't fix a mental illness if they're not housed. You can't fix a family crisis if they're not housed. And so that was the second wave that came along. And they made, frankly, a compelling point. It makes sense. How do I solve uh, drug addictions or home if, I'm, if I'm living in a tent? And it's 60, uh, you know, 40 degrees outside or 140 degrees outside. How do I fix that? And so how do I get someone stabilized in a job if they don't have a house? So these two theories are battling one another back and forth in Seattle for the past 20 years. And so this group said, let's take a chunk of this money that we get, buy a hotel, and see if we can stabilize people and give them housing. The problem with Seattle that I always see is we do half solutions, just buying the hotel is only half of the problem. The other half of the problem is having caseworkers that you probably have to pay a lot of money, more money than you'd think, to then usher these people to stability. That's the part we always leave out. 
So we say, we're going to buy this housing project and then we're going to have a bunch of different services because they've all been vetted and vested and they're in what you uh, brilliantly dubbed the homeless industrial complex. We're just going to disseminate the rest of the money to these services and we're going to partner with them and, and we'll figure this out. That has never worked. Because all of those agencies, I think most of them, their heart is in the right place, but they are in the business of getting their budget renewed. That's what they're in the business of. They are not in the business of solving homelessness. You have people that want to get their budget renewed next year. What do I got to do? Who do I have to talk to? What form do I need to fill out so that my 2022 budget grows by 10% over my 2021 budget? That is really their only goal. And until you get a, the, the places in the world where this worked is you get them housed and you might have one caseworker for two people. And that's their own, that's their 40 hour a week job. You handle these two people. And if they need to go to the doctor, you drive them to the doctor. If they need to get methadone, you go to the methadone clinic. If they have to go to counseling, you drive them to the counselor. You wait there and you drive them back. Yeah, but you haven't done the math on this to know if that's financially scalable because it's not. It just does not sound financially scalable. But then we're going to stay in the same exact place we're well, in. I think what you have to do is decide, that, hey, Seattle can't be responsible for the nation's homelessness. We are, we are so lax here. Whenever you allow people to go out, get high, and do whatever they F they want to do. They're going to go out and get high and do whatever the F they want to do. So you drive around Lake Union, you see all these encampments and really great pieces of real estate with phenomenal views. What the hell? I would love to live there. So what has to happen is, and, and I don't think we're going to have a mayor here that's going to have the wherewithal because you have both of these candidates now talking about building more housing for the homelessness. Well, for the homeless. Well, in the meantime... What are you going to do with all the homeless that are here homeless, but they're from other parts of the country and other parts of the nation where they just don't put up with this crap? They don't put up with it. We put up with it. And because we put up with it, the nation knows that. And that's why the majority of the homeless are right here on the left coast. We'll talk more on the other side of this. I would definitely recommend working with Ron and Don. Completely satisfied. 100% guaranteed. (laughs) (laughs) If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. Hi, I'm Ollie. Hi, I'm Emmy. We are Team Greenland, and we sat down down with Ron Ron and Don. Don. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, we talked about pricing. We talked about staging. We talked about location, about what the market was like. He gave us so much information. We would have a game plan and there'd be a team helping us and we went for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks to Ron and Don, we got the house of our dreams under asking price, which just does not happen in this market. And we could not be happier. And we wouldn't have been able to be where we're at in terms of buying and renovating a house without his expertise and support. Um, we got an offer, I think day one, that was twenty-five to 50000 over asking. I'm like telling my wife, don't you think we should take this? And she's like, no, we're sticking to this. We're going to wait till that offer review, review date, like Ron and Don said, waited till offer review date. And we had like seven or eight more offers and an offer a 100000 over asking. With Ron and Don, you get two great minds that perfectly complement each other. 
You get the data and analytics. You get the creativity, the drive, and the energy. They are, they are the complete package. If someone asked me, in fact, someone did ask me uh, recently how we sold our house so fast. And I said, well, we had a great realtor team. And that makes all the difference. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at runanddonsitdown.com. Follow us on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. As you just heard, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. If you need us, just go to ronanddonsitdown.com. And uh, maybe you'll be on one of our podcasts. Just like those guys are on the podcast. We're going to make podcasts out of you. So thanks for allowing us to go on this real estate uh, journey with you. Being a morning person, I, I grew up in a house where my dad was a truck driver. And so he would get up in the middle of the night. And for whatever reason, when he would wake up, I'd wake up. He'd wake the whole house up. Then later on in life, we became radio guys. And for the first 10 years, we did morning drive. And it's really weird because in some of the places that we did morning drive, like San Francisco, we had to live so far away from the radio station that we did have to get up at 1.30 to be able to get the station to put a show together, be on by five. And then we'd be on from five to 10 in the morning. And then you get done at 10 o'clock and you are just like, you're, you're cooked for the rest of the day. And a lot of people think, well, wouldn't it be great to go home and take a nap? If you go home and take a nap, then what happens when you're supposed to go to bed, like at nine o'clock at night, so you can get up again at one. So you're out the door at one 30. It doesn't happen. You're up all night. So it's really, really crazy. And I always tell my friends when they switch over to morning drive, I'm like, hey, hang in there. It's kind of weird for about a year. And then at some point, it'll change. There'll be a shift. And you'll go, you know what? Maybe I'm going to be a morning person for the rest of my life. That's how I became a morning person was just from growing up with a truck driver and then also just doing radio all those years. And when I got to get up in the morning now and I know that nobody else is up, at least I feel that way, I'm like, wow, I'm up. And the rest of the billions of people on planet Earth, they aren't up. And it's when I find out the most about myself and I get some of the coolest things done. And then by the time my son gets up, then I feel like I can really spend time with him. And we really value that morning time that we have together. And then later on, I jump on a call with Ron. We do our business stuff and uh, and we get going. Uh, just read an article about some of the things that you can do to be a morning person uh, you get a lot of stuff done in the morning, and I don't think to be a morning person, you have to get up at 1.30. Uh, do you see yourself as kind of a morning person, or do you hit that snooze button and 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 it's more difficult for you? I think I'm mostly a morning person. The thing I think that people always leave out on this conversation is what are your goals? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? In other words, if you, are, if you work a regular 9-to-5 job, and you constantly find yourself going, oh, I'm just spent at the end of the day. We probably all have those friends, or maybe this is you, where you, you, you're you spent at the end of the day, you don't want to interact with anybody, uh, you mentally just sort of want to curl up in a ball. Well, being a morning person would probably be really good for that personality type, because you can have some quiet, like you said, you can sort of set your intention for the day, you can get a couple things done that might take the edge off of you, uh, knowing what your workday is going to look like. There are other people that they live to stay out late at night, uh, and that's their thing. They want to go to shows. They want to meet up for uh, friends after work and go 
uh, grab a few drinks or go to dinner or stay up and watch a movie, whatever. So whatever your goal is, I think the important thing on whether you're a morning person or a night person is, are you building in that time to set aside to do those things you just talked about? And so in my mind, it doesn't matter when you do those as long as you do them. But I think scientifically and anecdotally, if you do them when your brain is fresh off of a sleep, it's going to reap the biggest reward with the least amount of friction. Yeah, your brain's like a dishwasher. And so when you sleep, it just kind of washes the dishes. And one of the reasons why you wake up, you get in the shower, you have maybe some of the best ideas that you've had all day. But to your point, do you want to get up and exercise more? Do you want to get up and journal? Do you want to go get up and prepare some kind of PowerPoint for work so it's done for the day? I always decide what I'm going to do in the morning, the night before. And I don't do the exact same thing every morning because I get bored of it. Uh, and I know that there's people that have tea at a certain time and they work out at a certain time. I just make sure that's on my schedule. And then the important thing is just getting to bed every night at the same time. And then your body will begin to react. So if you're like me and you need about five and a half hours of sleep at night, just got to back it up and make sure that you've given yourself five and a half hours to really get that, that deep sleep and that deep rest. As I said before, sometimes just set an alarm clock when it's time to go to bed. You won't have to set an alarm clock when it's time to get up. But yeah, writing these things down, I write them down in a little journal on my nightstand, and then I'm ready to go the next morning. And it's really the most productive time of, of my day. I will say, though, sometimes when you get up so early, I'll be trying to hang with people sometimes at 7, 30, 8 o'clock at night. And I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. Don't go anywhere. Uh, one final story on the other side. Hey, what's going on, Ron and Don Nation? This is Therese, a new team member on Ron and Don team. It's tough out there for buyers right now. And that's why you need a buyer specialist like me. Let's send you a buyer's playbook. And for you sellers, we have a seller's playbook. Reach out to the team and let's do a sit down and we'll get you these playbooks. Just reach out to us at ronanddonsitdown.com and we'll schedule a sit down today. Now back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. We've kind of shifted. We're heading towards fall. Our kids are going back to school uh, and it's going to be... It's going to be so sad if here in Seattle, we have to do what they're doing in other school districts right now, where you have these COVID breakouts and kids are being forced once again to go home. It drives me a little nuts, especially for someone my son's age, who's, who's 11, who can't get the vaccination yet. He's entrusting that other adults in our society will do the adult thing and consider uh, getting vaccinated. And I don't know how it became getting vaccinated became a shameful thing, which is which is shameful to me in a lot of ways. And I know people feel like uh, there's people like us in the media who are, are lying to you about the vaccination, or that people actually aren't dying from COVID. And this is what I would do: just pull out a map, look at the different parts of the country where people are not vaccinated, then do a cross-reference of all the people that are dying and all the people that aren't dying. And what you're going to find, yeah, you're going to find an outlier of somebody who was vaccinated and died. That's going to happen when you're dealing with billions of people on planet Earth. But I guarantee if you look at the science of those two things, the areas in the country like Georgia, like Alabama, like Mississippi, 
places like Florida and also places like Texas where people haven't gotten vaccinated because this vaccine has been weaponized. It's become a political football. Notice all the politicians who are encouraging you not to get vaccinated. Most of them secretly did get vaccinated and they're back out on the stump trying to create division with all of us. Nonetheless, I really feel sorry for kids like my kid who may be forced to come back home because I'm going to tell you another year of being at home and trying to learn becomes impossible for these kids and this is going to become traumatic. I think last year we were able to bootstrap this and get through it, but if we have to go through this another year, I think this is going to take an indelible toll on all our kids. How, how is your son doing with the mask thing? I was, I was texting last night with, you know, everybody's his first week of school. So a friend of mine's uh, daughter was in school and I said, how, how's she doing with the mask? And she's like, you know what? She kind of like is okay with it. Like it's, it's just, she's been told to do it. She's used to it. Like it, it's not her favorite thing, but she doesn't complain about it all the time because it just it it just is a reality no, and every, at that age. Yeah, and everywhere we go, he has a mask and he puts his mask on and he's 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 militant about it. And even though I'm vaccinated, he's not. He's eleven. I I've had to remember to set a good example for him and carry a mask in my pocket. And when he's putting a mask on, even if it's outside, then I'm putting a mask on 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 with him too. So uh, he 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 has a very very cool perspective about it. And at the end of the day, he just wants to be around his friends. He wants to yeah. be at school. He wants to play sports. He just, he just, th- this summer was a really big deal for a lot of our kids. Cause they were able to go back out and reconnect with one another. It'd be very sad to me if, if, if they are sent home and it seems like uh, we are on that trajectory uh, in some parts of the country. I, I am but- so grateful when you see the news footage of let's say Tennessee where these school board meetings, this is happening in California in some school districts, it has turned into just a shouting match uh, that spills over into the into the parking lots. There have been threats. I watched a, a, a rant last night from this woman that claimed to be a Christian where she threatened the lives of the school board members, the police officers that were there uh, providing security, that anyone that did not believe the way that she did she pretty much said that the the Christians were going to rise up and take them out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly if that means by violent means or not, but I, I don't think we've seen that in the Pacific Northwest in the same way we've seen it in other parts of the country. I am applaud of the politicians of this state that have made it mandatory. If you work for the state, if you work with the elderly, if you work with children, if you work in services, you have to get vaccinated or you are fired. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm on Vashon Island. Almost 90% of the people are vaccinated out there. We have a, a good friend, Kanan, we used to work in radio with, who lives out there with his family. Over Almost 90%. And everybody has done a great job going to the local fire department, getting vaccinated. The fire chief of Vashon Island refuses to get vaccinated. Refuses to get vaccinated. And he said that he's willing to lose his job over it. And at the same time, he's the one that's been running these vaccination centers so that over 90% of the people on Vashon could be vaccinated. Fire that guy in a heartbeat. That is a crazy story uh, right there. And they said, well, maybe you can continue to be the fire chief, uh, but because you are an EMT also and you're around other people providing medical care, uh, you'll have to, to, 
you'll you'll have to give that up. And he said he's willing to give it up. I'd, I'd fire him before the end of business today. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No questions asked. Anyway. Hey, something I wrote on my Facebook page as we got toward the le- end of summer here. Uh, it's a picture of myself. Is this where you want me to, to sing Boys of Summer? There you go. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a picture of myself. Out on the myself. road today, I saw a dead end sticker on a Cadillac. All right. A little voice inside my head. Don't look. You want me to keep going? I don't. Okay. Yeah. Never look back. Uh, This is what I wrote, and we'll just leave it like this today. It says, as we say goodbye to our last day of vacation today, and we get ready for the sixth grade tomorrow, uh, we learned a couple things this summer. Uh, Number one, it's pretty cool to become a certified diver at the age of 11, which uh, he did. Number two, we feel pretty lucky to have seen all the grandmas and the cousins from New Mexico to Michigan and play the trumpet for them. I love the fact that he carried his trumpet all over the country. That's awesome. Uh, to play for uh, his grandmothers. I love that about him. Uh, number three, it was supposed to be scary to go away to overnight camps without your parents. Remember that? But it was actually, quote, the best part of my summer daddy, close quote. Number four, we feel after swimming in 19 different pools, rivers, lakes, oceans uh, this past summer that a DQ Heath Bar blizzard after each swim is the only way to savor the day. Are you are you are you a blizzard person or are you Heath, not Bar? Heath Bar? I do a Heath Cappuccino Crunch. Wow. Cappuccino Crunch Heath. Didn't know. Adam have him throw some cappuccino in there and all I'm right. telling you it'll change his world. I'll I'll try that. Uh, number five, we're also learning that we may like experiences with other humans we love and care about over toys and video games and lots of other stuff. He said, Daddy, a stuff can't love you back like your grandma can. Love that. Uh, I know it may be the, the end of summer for a lot of us, and I know it may be the last summer that he calls me Daddy. I just feel, feel so fortunate, though, that I get to call him my son, uh, and I call him Bubba. That's my nickname for him. Uh, there's lots more adventures ahead, so I'm going to look into investing maybe in a Dairy Queen. So we wish you and your kiddos a tremendous year as we head back to class we hope you had a great summer of minutes and moments and memories together. On to sixth grade, Bubba. Love and respect to all the daddies and all the mommies out there. And then I signed it, Bubba's daddy. All right? I can see you. Your brown skin shining in the sun. You got your hair pulled back and your wayfarers on, baby. I think it's sunglasses on. Wayfarers. Really? The Ray-Bans. What song are you listening to? I don't know. The generic version of Boys of Summer? He's Ron. I'm Don. Thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks for hitting subscribe. Thanks for being our friends. Thanks for going on this real estate journey with us. And thanks for letting us be your broadcasters and uh, just sharing our opinions with you. You want to share your opinions with us? Let's go to our Facebook channel. He's Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill. You can find us on Instagram, too. He's Ron Upshaw. Once again, I'm Don O'Neill. 34. Till next time, keep your head up, your shoulders back, and we'll see you right here for episode 311 on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back, and keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.